Welcome to the Near Church Podcast. This week's message starts now. So today we're going to go a little deeper, part four, 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse six. And the Bible says this, when the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, talking about Goliath, women from all the towns of Israel came out to meet King Saul and they sang and danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals, verse seven. This was their song. Saul has killed his thousands. David, his tens thousands. Saul's killed his thousands. David, his ten thousands. And this made Saul very angry. What's this? He said. They credit David with ten thousands and me only with thousands. Next, they'll be making him their king. Verse 9. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. Three more verses. The very next day, a tormenting spirit from God overwhelmed Saul, and he began to rave in his house like a madman. Somebody shout a madman. And David was playing his harp as he did each day, but Saul had a spear in his hand, and he suddenly hurled it at David, intending to pin him to the wall. But David escaped him twice. One more verse. And Saul was afraid of David, for the Lord was with David and had turned away from Saul. I want to preach to you this morning on this subject, 10,000 reasons. Not the song by Matt Redman. Get that out of your head. 10,000 reasons. We could almost call this coulda cut you part two. But I want to call it 10,000 reasons today. Father, thank you for your word. May we be hearers and become doers. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody shouts, amen. You may be seated, but on your way down, look at three people and say 10,000 reasons. I got 10,000 reasons. 10,000 reasons. 10,000 reasons. In our culture today, it's so common for things to get canceled really easily now. Everybody's getting canceled. I'm glad I haven't gotten canceled. Come on. Not big enough to get canceled. Isn't that right? <laughs> but everything gets canceled. And there's this phrase that a lot of people use called being triggered. You ever heard that phrase? Like they got triggered. And it usually happens when someone says or does something that ignites something in the other person's emotions. Maybe it's something they went through. Triggers are very real. Don't get me wrong. I remember Pastor Faye dealt with some things with her previous family and some abuse. Her story is incredible. And I'm not here to tell it this morning. But for a long time, anytime we would hear a diesel truck drive by, she would get triggered by it because the man that abused her drove this really loud diesel truck. And so for years in our marriage, anytime there was a diesel truck that drove by, it didn't matter if it was nine o'clock at night, two o'clock in the morning, this guy was getting up, gun and tote, come on somebody, <laughs> to make sure that this Joe Schmo wasn't there. It triggered her. And it in turn triggered me too. Isn't it funny how triggers are contagious? 
Come on, you're too quiet this morning. Triggers can be contagious. And so in our culture, it's something we talk about often. They got triggered. This thing triggered them. And what it truly comes from, cancel culture, being triggered. I'm not saying they're not real. But it all comes from something called offense. Offense. I want to talk about offense today. And I was reading this scripture. I've heard this a thousand times. You heard this in Sunday school. Saul slayed his thousands. David is ten thousands. But I'd never seen it this way until the Lord showed it to me in August when we were sitting on the beach. And the Lord took me to 1 Samuel 18. And he said, I want you to look because my people need to understand that there is freedom available from the spirit of offense. From the spirit of offense. Now, before we get into the text this morning, I got a couple of scriptures for you to just lay this out. Are you ready for that? Yes. Come on. Are you ready for that? Ready. Proverbs 18 and 19 says this. Proverbs 18 and 19. This is the New Living Translation. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. But focus in on that first part. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Now, in my experience with people that have experienced church hurt, some of it is very real. They've been hurt by people. They've been abused by leadership. They've been hurt by Betty Sue who had the pillow with her name stitched in it to save her seat. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Come on, somebody. We ain't doing no custom pillows here unless you give like a billion dollars. Come on. And we'll talk about pillows then. <laughs> you can have a mattress for a million dollars in the church. Come on, somebody. No. But often what we call church hurt is not hurt. It's offense. Now, we don't like that. Because church hurt has given many of us the excuse to continue in our offense. It's going to be quiet today and that's all right. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Now, an older translation says than a heavily walled city. And if we understood what that meant in that time, in that culture... Cities were made to not be broken into. But Proverbs, in all of its wisdom, Solomon tells us that someone that is offended is harder to win back than a heavily armed city. Because this is what the spirit of offense will do. The spirit of offense comes with it, catch this, heavy deception heavy deception because offense will always convince you that you are entitled to your offense now let's go a little deeper luke chapter 17 1 through 5 this is the the new king james or the king james version old school this morning and he said it like this then he said to his disciples it is impossible somebody shout it's impossible that offenses will come it's impossible that they won't show up. But woe unto him through who they come. Verse 2. 
It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck. This is Jesus talking, y'all. And were thrown into the sea. Then that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourself. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times a day and seven times a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Now catch verse five. This is what is so challenging. And the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. Now notice we say that verse and we're talking about like miracles. Lord, we need you to increase our faith. Lord, increase our faith for believing for big increase our faith for seeing the dream come to pass come on increase our faith lord like for more money increase our faith for bigger stuff but here they asked the lord to increase their faith when he talked about letting go of offense jesus said it's impossible for offense not to come it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. Yep. Yeah. Offense is going to happen to you. Look at your neighbor and say, it's going to happen to you, boo-boo. Yep. I've done boo-boo in a long time. It's going to happen to you, boo-boo. Offense is going to happen to you. Someone's going to say something that's going to trigger you. Yep. Someone's going to do something that's going to offend you. Yep. It's impossible for it not to happen. The only way it cannot happen is if you go and you buy a prepper kit and you bury yourself in the earth by yourself. And then I still believe you would offend yourself. <laughs> Down in the basement, offending yourself. But we're not called to hide away and wait for the rapture to happen. Come on, somebody. We're not called to hide away. We're called to be salt. We're called to be the light of the world, and we're called to expand his kingdom here in the earth. And so as a call in the kingdom is the call to be offended. And if you're not careful, you will take what happens to you and take it on as your identity. So let's go deeper in that this morning. Go back to verse 1. He said it's impossible that offenses, they're not going to come. It's impossible that they don't come. Impossible. I don't care how holy you are. I don't care how much you do for God. The chance and the opportunity to be offended will happen. Now, the word offense in the Greek is the word scandalos. It's where we get our word scandal from. We all like a good scandal. Did you hear who married Joe Schmo? It's so funny. Every time we go through a grocery store, and it's pretty rare that we do it together anymore, but Pastor Faye and I will be waiting in line, and she always picks up, is it Sunstar? And all these gossip magazines. Isn't that what it's called, Sunstar? Maybe, I don't know. But, but yeah, y'all are too holy for that. You know, we'd be looking at that stuff. <laughs> But we look at it and, it and we like it because it's scandalous. We love seeing people fall. We love seeing people rise to the occasion and then fall in great tragedy. It's what makes all of great movies great. We love it until it happens to us. 
But Jesus said it's impossible that it won't happen. Offense is going to come. So if you're taking notes, write that down. Offense is going to come. It will come. It will happen. There will be moments where people do things to you and in the church that are offensive. Can I tell you something this morning? The gospel is offensive. The gospel is offensive. Now, we don't like to think of the gospel that way. Because we like to think of it as hug me Jesus and I love you Jesus and God is all love and he is love. But he's also the Jesus that said that the gospel is like a sword that divides families. That's in there. Read it. Or the time where they came for bread and Jesus said, I don't have any bread today. I'm the bread of life. If you want to follow me, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. That's weird, Jesus. Why did he say that? It was offensive because offense creates opportunity. Offense creates opportunity. I have a choice. So we know it's going to happen. We we don't get to choose that, y'all. We don't get to choose that. And if you're on Facebook, it's going to happen multiple times a day. And if you drive on Scottsville Road, it's going to happen multiple times in 10 minutes. Come on, somebody. Come on. (laughs) We need a revival of good drivers in Jesus' name who use turn signals. Somebody shout amen. There's going to be opportunities to be offended, and it creates opportunity in you and I. So I have a choice. Because there's a difference between offense and offended. Offense is the moment. Write that down. Offense is the moment. Offended is an identity. How many of you know someone who's offended? Raise your hand. Come on. Yeah, y'all lying. You ain't raising your hand. I know so many offended people, especially in the body of Christ. You know, what's really interesting to me is how offended we get at the world. I know we don't like that because we so holy, but we get so offended at the world. You know, what's interesting about the world. They're going to be the world. (laughs) They're going to do crazy things. People get mad at these artists that are already serving Satan, y'all. Like, we just know it. Come on. And and they have these crazy shows worshiping the devil. That doesn't offend me. Because if you're not serving God, that doesn't offend me. Come on, somebody. I'm not saying we can't take stands and we can't stand up for righteousness. That's not what I'm saying. But the church has gotten so offended at the world that we were the original cancel culture. Oh, oh, we'd be canceling people out in the world. We started it, y'all. And so they took it and grabbed onto it. We started it. Oh, you're not perfect? Get out of our church. Oh, you don't look the part? Get out of our church. Oh, you messed up again? Get out. Can I tell you, we don't get to participate in cancel culture. There's one culture, and it's the culture of the kingdom. And he said, if you will just believe in me, I don't care where you came from. I don't care what you've done. Just come unto me, and I'll give you rest. 
We don't get to cancel anybody, y'all. Cancel culture is demonic because it's rooted in offense, which brings on deception, which brings on deception. Now, last week, you and I don't get to do the what? The cutting, the cutting culture, the cancel culture. We don't get to do that. It's him. We'll see if you remember last week's points. Don't. Oh, okay. Well, I'll preach it again next week for you. <laughs> we got to work on it, don't we? Don't whisper. Everybody missed the first one. It's all right. Praying for y'all. We got complimentary uh, Q-tips back there because you didn't hear it, obviously. No. <laughs> But we don't get to do the cutting. We don't get to cancel people because it's rooted in offense. And Jesus said that it's impossible that it not come. And here we see the story of David and Saul. Israel has just won one of the greatest victories it's ever had. They defeated Goliath. Little did they know that felt figure sales would go through the roof in Sunday school because of 1 Samuel chapter 17. I mean, felt is going to be lit because of what David does. It's amazing. And they're coming back home from a win. Like we just did this thing. Did you see David and the what? Man, I've never seen that technique before, but man, we're going to start doing that on the battlefield. Just like pulling junk out of our pockets and throwing it at enemies. It works really well. They're on this high because they've experienced the victory from the Lord. And as they're coming into town, watch this. After a win is always an opportunity for offense. Always. It's the same thing with Samson and Delilah. After great victory comes temptation to lay your head down. And this is what we see. So let's go through this this morning. Verse 6, 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 6. When the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David had killed the Philistine, women from all over the town came out to meet King Saul. Notice how the writer is giving us these two sides. The victorious army was returning home after David had killed the Philistine. But women from the town came out to meet Saul. And they sang and danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals. Verse 7. This is where it gets interesting. This was their song. Saul killed his thousands. David his ten thousands. Saul killed his thousands. David his ten thousands. Saul killed his thousands. David is ten thousand. Y'all, I come up with songs every week. Y'all missing out on them. I just imagine like this trap music video as the women are coming out like. Saul has killed his thousands. Saul was victorious. Saul defeated thousands of enemies. David killed 
ten thousands. <laughs> Math is fun. Saul, he's awesome. Have you heard about David? And here, after a moment of victory, is an opportunity for Saul to get offended. Now, in order to really understand Saul, we have to go back. Saul has had his kingship taken away from the Lord, the blessing, the anointing of the kingship, because of his disobedience. When you disobey God, it opens you up to all kinds of stuff. Come on, you're quiet this morning. It opens you up to all kinds of stuff. And so now Saul is opened up. God, watch this. God has used him. He's killed his thousands. There's still something on him. I, I still got talent from the Lord at least. I still know how to use the sword. Come on, somebody. And what Saul doesn't realize is the thing that caused him victory in this moment is about to cause his defeat in the next. Because Saul is about to go from killing his enemy to trying to take out a son. Saul killed his thousands. David, his ten thousands. Saul killed his thousands. David, his ten thousands. Come on, somebody get with me here this morning. Do we have that kind of beat on that app? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't think so. Saul killed his thousands, David his ten thousands. And so here in this moment is the opportunity for Saul to be offended. And look what he says. This is so interesting. Verse 8, Saul was very angry. What's this? I love the Bible, y'all. They credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands. Now we don't really know if David killed ten thousands or not. All we know is David killed Goliath. But in the eyes of the people, Goliath was equal in mathematical proportions to ten times what Saul did. Come on, somebody. And so they credit David with 10,000s and me with only thousands. Quit being a baby, Saul. Come on, somebody. Next, watch this. Next, they'll be making him their king. This is what the spirit of offense does. It causes you to warp a current situation. It may be true. And warp it into a future precedent. If we could only get this, y'all. Oh, look at how they're talking about David. Next, they're going to make him their king. Next. Next. Oh, they didn't let me sing this week. Next. They're going to be kicking me off the team. Oh, they didn't let me preach that week. Next. They're, they're going to be not letting me lead anything anymore. Did you hear what my spouse, you should have heard what my spouse said to me yesterday. Next, they're going to be, have you ever done this? Where you take the offense of the moment and it causes you to become a sort of prophet 
and try to predict what is going to come out of this situation. Offense is full of deception. Because what Saul doesn't understand is David's heart. David is going to wait to be king until God puts him there. Come on. David's waiting. He's waiting on God. He could have had his chance. He could have killed Saul in that field. He could have let Goliath kill Saul and then kill Goliath in turn. David was a smart dude. He was in the fields. Base camp part one, shameless plug. Come on. But no, he's waiting for the kingship because he understands that only God does the cutting, but also only God does the exalting. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and in due season, due time, you'll be exalted. But Saul is so offended at David and he's so offended at the people that he is now making stuff up in his head. If you're not careful, church, listen to me this morning. If you're not careful, that offense will open you up to deception. Because now go to verse 9. Is this helping you so far? So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. I got my eye on you. I do that with my kids. They do it back at me now. It's funny. But then verse 10. He's been offended. He's opened himself up to deception. And the very next day, a tormenting spirit from God overwhelmed Saul. How interesting. That offense, and look what it says next. He began to rave in his house like a madman. Now, what's interesting is in the Hebrew, that word overwhelmed means forced entry. It means to forcefully come in. Offense will open you up. It will force you open to deception and to all kinds of bondage. Because here's the key. You ready for this? Stay with me here. When I buy into the offense, offense is the moment, and I become offended, I have now given the offender permission to hold me in their chains. That's why they say forgiveness isn't for them, it's for you. It's true. When you forgive, when you let go, when you choose not to be offended, you're saying, I refuse to allow this situation in my life to have control of me. And I know so many people who are being controlled by the spirit of offense And they hop from church to church. They disobey God. Come on, somebody. They they self-inflict all because they bought into the lie of offense. 
and they open themselves up. Saul killed his thousands, David his ten thousands. Now, if you're anything like me, if someone says something to me, I think about it over and over and over and over and over and over. And I know it gets really annoying. We could just go on and on. Saul is thousands. David is ten thousands. Saul is thousands. David ten thousands. Oh, man, why did they say that? Have you ever laid awake at night? Replaying what they said. Replaying how they said it. What they were wearing when they said it. Come on, somebody. I do that. I will lay in bed at night and want to die because all I can think about is what they said or what they did. Come on, are we being real in the house today? And it's funny how we still think about the same stuff from 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Let's go a little higher. For some of you, 40 years ago, 50 years, I don't know. We still think about the same words, but yet we sit here and judge Saul. Oh, he's demon-possessed, crazy Saul. People have said a lot less about us, and we've been tormented by it too. Come on, somebody. Come on. Saul slayed his thousands, David his ten thousands. And he opens himself up to a tormenting spirit. Now look at what happens. If you read before, David had already come to his house and played the harp to chill Saul out. Because Saul was crazy. Demon-possessed Saul. Like, pray for him, y'all. Stretch your hands this way and pray for him. But this time, the harp playing didn't work. David was playing his harp as he did each day. This is how bad offense and insecurity, because if you really look at the life of Saul, he disobeyed out of insecurity. Oh, gosh. He disobeyed because he was insecure in who he was. And now he's offended because of his insecurity. We could go all day with this. And he's so insecure and so offended that he has to have a choice musician come and play at his house every day. Every single day. But Saul had a spear in his hand. I could have cut you, right? Here David is ministering to him. But Saul has a spear in his hand. And we thank me, I would never do that. I would never sit there like Saul and have a spear in my hand, ready to throw it. Sometimes a spear doesn't look like the weapon we think it does. Sometimes it's a text message. Sometimes it's a post. Come on, somebody. 
Sometimes it's the conversation that you think no one else heard. God heard it. But Saul had a spear in his hand. Verse 11. And suddenly, because I can imagine it, y'all, he's sitting on the throne, just reeling it over all day long. Thousands, ten thousands, that's ten times. Thousands, ten thousands, that's ten times. Thousands, come on. He's going crazy. And David is playing and suddenly out of nowhere, he throws it at David intending to pin him to the wall but David escapes him twice now verse 12 is where the real problem comes you ready for this is this helping you come on you're quiet today is this helping you Saul was afraid of David that's the problem the problem isn't that he bought into the offense although that's bad too The problem is Saul did not fear the Lord. He feared David. The reason he bought into the offense, the reason he was insecure, the reason why he was afraid the people were going to make David king is because he didn't fear the Lord. He feared David. And if we're not careful, church, you will buy into the lie of offense and you will allow it to manipulate you into making a God of the very thing that could take you out. How many of us in the church have bowed down and worshiped at the altar of our pain and offense. And what's interesting is we carry offense around like a badge. Oh, you should have heard what they did to me at that last church. You should have heard what they did to me. You know what they said to me? We carried around proud. Why? We worship it. And we don't fear the Lord. I know this is heavy, but there's freedom and heaviness. Come on. And this morning, God has come to break every yoke of offense. We worship at the altar of what happened to us. Can I tell you something this morning? You are not your pain. You are not what happened to you. You are not the words they spoke over you. You are not the abuse. You are not the person that they said you were. Come on. Even if you did do it, guess what? I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away. And baby, all things are becoming new. You are not your offense. I'm sorry they said that to you, but you are not that. And you don't have to live another moment today, child of God, being tormented by thousands and ten thousands. Who cares? Here's the word today. You ready for this? Get ready to shout. Throw the metrics away. 
Did you hear me? Throw them away. Throw comparison away. Throw it away. If you're pleased with God and God is pleased with you, that's all that matters. Come on, give him some praise right there. Throw the metric away, Saul. Throw it away. Comparison will kill you. Comparison will kill you. Now, y'all, this isn't a one-time thing that happens. We have the chance to be offended so many times every single day. Come on. And Saul was crazy and dealt with a tormenting spirit for the rest of his life. And Saul's legacy as the king of Israel was now a blemish on his kingship because of this moment on. Because of offense and because of unforgiveness and because he feared David and he didn't fear the Lord. There is freedom this morning in letting it go. I'm sorry they said it to you. I'm sorry they did it to you. But guess what? You holding on to your fence doesn't help anybody. It only shuts you out. Come on, somebody. And it hurts everyone around you. It hurts everyone around you. Because now... You, isn't it funny? We say we don't want to do the things that the previous generation did and we end up doing them worse sometimes. Why? Because we were offended at them and we bought into it and now we've become the very thing that we hated. And we get offended at people. We get offended at pastors. We get offended at our spouse. And it's all because we bought into the lie. that it's okay for the people of God to be offended. Today, I have come to break that spirit over your life in the name of Jesus. You don't get to be offended. Did you hear me? You don't get to be offended. In the kingdom, we throw offense to the wayside and we forgive. Come on. Come on, I don't get to cancel culture. I don't get to buy into my triggers. No, I don't get to be offended. I must forgive. And we wonder why we struggle when Jesus said, if you won't forgive, I won't forgive you. If you stay offended, don't be that person that in 20 years is still talking about how they didn't get to sing their song at the 4th of July picnic. Don't be that person. Don't be the person whose life is defined by a moment. I'm sorry it happened. I am. I know pain is real. But today there is healing from the pain. Can I declare something over you today? This is where I've been wanting to get the whole message. Isaiah 53 and 3. Throw that up on the screen, Cooper. 
Isaiah 53 and 3, he was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with our, throw it back up there, with our deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet, somebody shout yet. No, shout it like you mean to shout yet. Yet in our weakness he carried. It was our weakness that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God. No, they were a punishment for our own sins. Verse 5, this is so powerful. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was pierced for our offenses. He was pierced for our pain. He was crushed for our sins. And he was beaten so that we might be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Can I tell you today, yes, the offense happened, but there is healing available. Yes, the situation happened, but there is deliverance available. Yes, they hurt you, but the Lord says today, I won't leave you in that situation. It's time to come out of your pit, Joseph, because I have healing available. There's forgiveness available. You are going to be able, come on somebody, to move on. Give three people a high five and say it's time to move on. Come on. It's time to move on. It's time to move on. I'm not going to stay in what they did to me. I'm not going to stay in what they said. I'm not staying in the offense. I'm moving on because God is more for me than comparison. God is more for me than thousands and ten thousands. There's a chain breaker in the room this morning. Come on, somebody. And if you believe it, I dare you to give him 10 seconds of praise right there. Come on. Come on. I feel like preaching for just a moment. I used to be offended, but he was pierced for my rebellion. I used to be triggered, but he was crushed for my sins. I used to get mad at the preacher, but he was beaten that I might be made whole. I was wounded by somebody in the church, but he was whipped that I could be healed. He said, I'm not just going to Calvary for their sins. I'm going to take the whip on my back. I'm going to take the hurt. I'm going to take the pain that they might be healed spirit soul and body there is healing available this morning come on there is somebody get with me there is healing available this morning come on are we the are we the frozen chosen this morning come on somebody i want to hear from you because there's healing from decades of abuse oh oh i said there's healing from decades of abuse, there's healing from the tormenting words. Because Jesus could have went straight to Calvary, y'all. He said, hold up. I'm going to cause Pilate to send me to the whipping post so I can fulfill Isaiah 53 and 5. Oh, by his stripes, I am healed. By his stripes, I'm healed. What's interesting about this is it took pain to bring me healing. If only Saul had seen this. Saul, it's not just about the kingship. Yeah. 
God chose you, Saul. God chose you, Saul. Point yourself and say, God chose me. God chose me. God chose me. He, got, he chose me. Because God does the cutting, he does the exalting, and he does the choosing. And Saul, you don't have to be insecure in who you are. Because there's somebody coming up who does it better than you. You don't have to be insecure and allow offense to rule your mind anymore. This morning, I feel such a pushback from the enemy in this house. Because what is going to happen in the next few moments is freedom. I don't mean you just come up here and you feel something. I mean God shifts your thinking. That you are no longer a victim. You are no longer a victim. You're a victor. Stop allowing what happened to you to control your narrative. Yes. Yes. That's good. My pain doesn't get to write my story. What they said doesn't get to write my story. No. For the word declares he is the author and the finisher of my faith. This morning there is healing available. There is victory available. And there is deliverance available. I feel the Holy Spirit so strong right now. Hey listener, thanks for tuning in to the Near Church Podcast. You can give online, fill out a virtual connection card, plan your visit, and more by texting the words Near Church to 94000 or by visiting us online at www.nearchurch.co.